What makes for success in this life? A very interesting question. Hello and welcome to Good Word. I am Dave Thomas, the convener this quarter. We are looking at an overall subject matter this quarter of managing for the master until he comes. And one of the the lessons, folk ask the question, what do we have to do to plan for success? And there is a, a foundational text, a primary text from Colossians 3, verses 23 and 24. And whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. So the idea of doing things heartily as unto the Lord and not to men. Now, I think it's true that almost everybody wants to be successful in life. What that means, though, is a highly um, disputable or it's variable. What does it mean to be successful? And I think in the Western world, people will often talk about earning a lot of money. But let's talk about this. Uh, and I'm throwing this open to you. What are some other things? Things that people need to do in order to be successful in life, and maybe we should talk about what 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 is it, what does it mean to live a successful life? Any any comments from you, gentlemen? Well, by the world standards, Jesus was a failure. <laughs> he accumulated no worldly goods. From God's perspective, the things we think are important aren't important at all. They're tiny. Um, you know, I was I think about Mary who bought a bottle of expensive perfume, and from a worldly perspective, what a waste. She poured it out on his feet. And I. some people have estimated how much that was worth, and it was a substantial amount. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus could have rebuked her. Instead, he looked beyond the money and the cost. He looked at her heart. So people are more important than things. So when we measure our success, it should be on how we impact those around us. And I would throw in also the the offering of the widow who had two mites that Jesus thought was a very generous offering, although it amounted to nothing, you know, yeah. two little coins. But... It was generous because she gave everything she had. In a past lesson, we talked about self-sufficiency, and I feel like in my own life, if I am dependent on everyone else around me, then I haven't become successful, at least on that standard. I would like to be self-sufficient enough that I'm not a burden to someone else, but then to move beyond that to the place where I can not only not 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 be dependent on others, but I can help others, right, with what I have. That to me feels like success, where I've gotten to the point where I can be generous. We've talked about that in a previous lesson too. That to me is the, the point at where I feel like I've been successful. I've, I've, I've gone far enough in my life that I can be a contributing member of society and contribute more than just money, time, yeah. energy, right? Yeah. But at, at the point that we become self-sufficient and successful, enters the danger of forgetting about where our, our true security comes from. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, 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 I like your definition, Brent, but I, I would add here that you, you, you become that. You become self-sufficient, but not, not in a, a self-focused way that, that you do this in the context of living a life in anticipation of, of eternity. And so I, I would put down as one of the primary ingredients of success acknowledging that God exists and that he is the owner and sustainer of all things, mm. including your life and your abilities. See, that I think puts success in a good context. I would add, I think, realizing that work is a good thing. What do you gentlemen think about that? Absolutely. Keeps us out of trouble. <laughs> I, there's been academic studies that show that students on campus that work on campus get better grades than really? those who don't. Yeah. But I also find, you know, and I I started working when I was about, oh, probably less than seven years old. My mother started us weeding, and we'd get 10 cents for a bucket of weeds. And uh, 
I have found great enjoyment in life from physical labor. Uh, not just intellectual, but, but actually doing things, making things, growing a garden, raking leaves, building houses, whatever it is. There, there is some enormous therapeutic value to actually working. And I know that in Genesis, uh, Adam was told that he would earn his living by the sweat of his brow, but that's still a good thing. And, and not only does it keep us out of mischief, I think it gives us a sense of well-being and also is a means for providing for our own sustenance. So work, I think, should be seen as a very good thing. And when you retire, in many cases, you lose, your, you lose a sense of accomplishment unless yeah. you have mm. uh, hobbies and, yeah. and volunteer activities. That's and, correct. Yeah, the people who retire to a rocking chair last about six months, right? I've heard the average lifespan after retirement for Americans is three years, is the average. Is the the average? Is the average. And uh, yeah, having a bucket list, but yeah, when you say, what what can I do with the time that I have now and the energy I have left? I mean, I I know my colleague, Pedrito, who says, I'm never going to retire, and he's got more energy than most of us combined, Um, but he he hopes to teach until he drops dead, and he may do so. It's kind of admirable. Yeah, I think another another piece I would put here is um, to get a good education. Uh, That might not be true in every place, but certainly in the Western world, to have a basic education I think is very, very important. If you don't even finish high school, you're, you're not going to be very successful. Well, I should be careful what I say because I, I know people who didn't even make it through high school who have gone on to be very good citizens and and actually quite successful even in business. But I think a, a good basic education makes you a much more proficient and participative uh, member of, of society. And here's one for you. Marry well. What do you think about that? You know, there's some evidence that married people live longer and become wealthier and you know, this thing of spousal support uh, is something that I know I enjoy and I, I feel bad for people who don't have that. Uh, even in, in simple terms, if you lose your job and you have a spouse, the, the, she or he probably still has an income. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that one? Well, you can certainly um, be single and be successful, but um, it can be a lonely existence. And uh, having someone to to support you in the ups and downs and to knock the rough edges off of you <laughs> and to yeah. learn to learn to get along and compromise, I think marriage teaches us a lot of important traits that are necessary yeah. to be successful in life. Yeah. My, my favorite definition of a spouse is it's someone who God brings in your life to teach you a completely different way of living. <laughs> <laughs> Well, marriage in the Bible is pictured as uh, a symbol of Christ and his church. And if we understand that, we recognize how how solemn a situation marriage should be. And I don't mean unhappy, unjoyful, but how serious it is. Mm-hmm. Um, then marrying well becomes a product of uh, or a process of finding that person with whom you share your values and your goals and directions in life. And Bruce, I like that, knocking the rough edges off of, we can't grow the fruit of the Spirit outside of community. I don't need patience until I'm with somebody that requires me to be patient. That can be a spouse or children, but often a a spouse. They're not like me. They don't think just like me. And of course, you know what patience is, right? It's the ability to bear along with with, um, aggravating people. So if you pray for patience, that's what you're asking for. Um, you know, I, I read recently about a, a new idea on marriage as a sacrament, and I don't mean this in the sense of it being meritorious, but that marriage can be seen as an opportunity to love another person, hmm. to, to demonstrate 
loving another person as God loves us. And, and, and that, that makes marriage no longer a selfishly focused thing at all, which most of us get married because it will bring, up, bring us. But anyway, this is not about marriage. Uh, live a life characterized by integrity. I think that that's a big deal, quite frankly. The Bible says uh, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than silver and gold, Proverbs 22, verse 1. And uh, I mean, what are the benefits of integrity? Well, you you discover that a lot of the business world transactions are based on trust. Mm-hmm. And you have organizations where if they uh, breach the trust of their customers or their shareholders or whatever, uh, they're out of business faster than, than you can. I mean, we've, we've seen some spectacular examples of that in history. And um, You mean like when Coca-Cola got rid of classic? <laughs> <laughs> well, Enron was, was an example oh, yeah. um, where um, people realized that they had been telling lies about their financial situation. And the thing just folded in a matter of hours because yeah. customers abandoned them. No one wanted to do business yeah. with them. Yeah. So absolutely integrity is key to not only being successful but being able to sleep at night with satisfaction. Yeah, yeah. we're in the post-election um, time of the year. And my son, who's only 23 years old, was saying that he says, I, I feel like I've lost my trust in, in the political situation, not the process necessarily, but the way the process can be manipulated. He says, I don't, I don't know that I trust politicians. Like That's just a sad lesson for a 23-year-old to be learning. But he says they, they don't seem like people of integrity. They say one thing and do the other. And that shouldn't be what characterizes leaders. That shouldn't be what he thinks no. at first. No. And, you know, I mean, I, I, my, my own trust of, of, of political and government leaders has taken a big hit, too, even with COVID, mm-hmm. because it seems like we were not told the truth. In, in retrospect, it seems like in a lot of ways we were not told the truth. And, you know, it's a terrible thing when you realize that somebody you, you need to trust is not trustworthy. You know, I mean, what have you got left? If, 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 you, if I'm willing to lie, what, what, what have you got left? See, I mean, you, you can't count on anything. And even for a company to have integrity, I, I like those a great deal. I, I think Christians should be known as people whose word is good. When my house was built, I talked to the builder who was a Christian friend of mine, and we discussed the matter, and we shook hands. And he developed a contract subsequent to that, but that house was basically built on a on a, a, a an agreement that he would build me a house of a certain quality and I would pay the bills. And we worked out the details and we went. And on that whole house, which cost over $300,000, we had only one dispute for a $1,700 figure. And um, I decided to pay it <laughs> rather than squabble. What about avoiding debt? We talked about debt one week the whole of debt, but it seems to me that avoiding frivolous debt is a, is one of the ingredients of success. You don't want to be embroiled in, in that. Uh, stay out of trouble with the law. This is a big one um, that, that uh, wow, uh, the whole question of law enforcement in our country is really difficult for me to navigate. But uh, certainly I think that living as a law-abiding citizen will, will give you many advantages over those who break the law. That's a matter of trust often as well. My neighbors will trust me if they know that I'm generally a law-abiding person and want to do its best for the yeah. community and for yeah. them. But the consequences of breaking the law significantly are, I mean, you lose control of your destiny. 
you lose your control of your destiny, you're done. I think we started by talking about making provisions for eternity. But Brent, describe quickly in the remaining minute here your definition of success again. I like that. Can you remember it? Mm. Uh, My thought on success is to become self-sufficient to the point where I can then be a blessing to other people, where I'm not a burden to someone else, and then I can be a blessing. Yeah. And so that, that that might not involve a lot of money. It might nope. not involve fame. It, it could be in a very simple way. But I, I think that's a good definition of, of, of um, success. Well, to those of you who are listening, I guess we'll leave you to to have your own discussion about success and how to be successful. I do think that merely acquiring assets and, 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 and uh, monies is not a good recipe for success because we know of many people who who have those things and they did not find joy or satisfaction in life. So, Well, my, my thanks to Brent and, and Bruce for their contributions today. My thanks to Christ, Kristen Byerly, our engineer. And my thanks to those of you for listening. For The Good Word, I'm David Thomas. You've been listening to Good Word, a production of the School of Theology at Walla Walla University and KGTS-FM. To order a copy of today's broadcast, you can call 509-527-2194. Thanks for listening, and we'll be here next week at this time with Good Word.